Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 to 7. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. And on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. And the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Man, that's, whoo, I'm already excited about this coming year. Like that phrase, of the increase of his government, there will be no end. That's our theme for next year. My God's already got it for me. Like, That's a holy declaration for your life. Of the increase of your reign in my life, there will be no end. Nothing needs to stop the increase of your government in my life. And when we grab onto that and live that out, there is some fire. And that's all based on, though, his nature, his character. And that's what this verse is talking about. That this child, this Messiah, his name shall be called. And as we've talked about the last couple weeks, I'll review very briefly this idea of a name, especially in Hebrew culture, Jewish culture, this culture of the time, the name was so key because a name, someone's name, reveals their essence. It reveals their nature. And so one of the beautiful things that we see in this prophetic passage written hundreds of years before the Messiah came is that God's intention in sending the Messiah to the earth is so that God could reveal some very specific aspects of God's nature to the world. And that's not meant to in any way take away what Jesus did in his life and death and resurrection and the salvation that he makes possible. No, it's in and through all of that, God is revealing the nature of God because the point is not just to get us a ticket to heaven, but an, a, to welcome us into the family of God where for all of eternity we get to know the God that we are saved to be with. And so the Messiah is revealing some of the key aspects of the nature of God that he wants to be known by, that he wants you to know. As Nina spoke of very personally, very intimately, he wants you to know aspects. It's a relationship. It's not just a ticket to paradise. It's welcomed into a family where all of eternity is about being with a person, knowing God increasingly. That's why Jesus said some of the most crazy hard words I've ever heard. Or even people who did miracles in his name, he said, I never knew you, depart from me. Workers of lawlessness. People that raised people from the dead. And he said, but I didn't know you. You missed the point. And so when we see these names of God, it's just reinforcing the same message that's from the beginning to the end of the Bible. It's all the same message. God wants to know you. And he goes at great lengths to reveal himself and to make it possible for you to know him. And so we've looked at the mighty, mighty God, the warrior, the hero, the champion who fights for you, not against you. We've looked at wonderful counselor, the one who is personal, powerful, and present with you, leading, guiding, directing. You're not left alone as an orphan. And now, everlasting father. He wants to be known 
The, the Messiah came to reveal the nature of God as an everlasting father. Jesus is even questioned by his own disciples about this picture of God the Father. And this is where it helps us to kind of see that everything that Jesus did was intentionally a revelation of the nature of God as Father. Philip said to him in John 14, 8, Lord, show us the Father. Show us the Father. That'll be enough for us. They've heard Jesus talk a lot about God as Father. And he says, well, why don't you just show us the Father? That'll be enough. Then we'll be good. And Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long and you still do not know me? Philip, because, here's the key, whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? And the words that I say to you, I don't speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me and does the work through me. So Jesus is is making one of the most important points that I believe he makes in his entire life, which is look at me if you want to know what God is like. I am here to demonstrate in word and deed the revelation of the nature of God the Father. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And so it just confirms this Isaiah passage that the Messiah is coming and revealing the nature of God as everlasting Father. God wants you to know that. He wants you to encounter that, not just know it with your head. He wants you to experience it. He wants it to be real. But sometimes we've got to step back a little bit because I know that nothing that I've said so far is, is probably new. This idea of, of our Heavenly Father, that's most likely not a new concept in any fashion. But this morning, I want to just do our best to come as, with that childlike posture that Jesus encourages, where in some way we, we step back and not let the, the familiarity keep us from the passionate pursuit of the more that God has for us still. No matter how many times you've said, Our Father, no matter, no matter how many times you've said to Heavenly Father, no matter how many times you've prayed to the Father, no matter how many times you have genuinely encountered the goodness of the Father, There is more, and God wants it for you today and tomorrow and to see that increase of his government in your life until the day you go home and be with him. And then it just gets better and more powerful and more exponential because you don't have any of the things holding you back from this life. So in some of the most fundamental ways, let's just start with the posture of prayer. If we're authentic, if we're authentic in our prayers, there really is nothing in life that is more personal, more intimate, more vulnerable than, we, than when we consciously stop and desire to connect spirit to spirit to God. I mean, is there, is there anything more precious you know, if, if God's real, which he is, and if you are created in God's image, which you are, and there is the potential of connecting with God, being with God, is there anything more special, precious, intimate than when you are aware of that and cultivating that, doing your part to respond to the grace that God has initiated and, and in a very vulnerable, intimate, special space, you say, okay, God, I want to I talk to you. 
in some ways there's like there's nothing more beautiful. And so when the disciples watched Jesus do this, they said, man, there's something about how he does this that's so different from us. There's a, a beauty, there's a power, there's an intimacy, there's an effectiveness, there's a joy, there's a gratitude. I mean, what was it that when they watched Jesus pray, it brought them to a humble place to say, Lord, teach us to pray in a good way. But it, that's also a confession. Like, hey, where we're at isn't where you're at. Whatever you're doing is different than what we do. Whatever you've been trained to do, whatever you know how to do, that connection that you have, the power, the intimacy, the joy, the gratitude. I mean, you're facing a stressful situation of 5,000 people that are hungry, and you pick up a piece of bread, and you give thanks? You're on a different plane than we are. And so Jesus says, all right, let me teach you to pray. Here's how you start. Our Father. So when you're in that most vulnerable, intimate, private and personal, spiritual space you could possibly be, what's your foundation? Our Messiah says, you come as a child who can trust their heavenly parent. If that becomes a revelation, that becomes a revolution. If that can become real, you will not be the same. And if that be can, can become more real than you've currently encountered, you will never be the same. And if that can become even more real tomorrow than what you've encountered today, you will never be the same. A revolution will happen when the goodness of our Heavenly Father permeates our soul. So that like Romans 8, Paul says, when we come before God in prayer, something wells up in us, something spirit to spirit, something supernatural, something eternal, something holy, something transcendent, something beyond just mere words, something is, is rising up like a, a wellspring of living water in my soul that the only way I can, I, it's, it's holy, it's real, it's divine, it's supernatural. Something inside me is saying, Abba, Father, that that's the, that's the starting place for my soul to be alive. When that's real, revolution has taken place. Paul says that's your birthright as a child of God. Romans 8.15. You did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons and daughters by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit. That's spirit to spirit. That's that eternal, transcendent, holy, supernatural, divine. It's a mystery, but it's more real than anything else you can touch. The Spirit himself, the Holy Spirit of God, divine, eternal, transcendent, is, is communicating, is connecting you. with Your, your spirit is crying out. This is your birthright. This is your identity like a little child who's just been born. You cry out in the spirit 
Abba. I'm adopted. I've got a family. I'm home. I know where I belong. I know who I belong to. I know who I am because I know who I belong to, because I know whose I am. And Jesus says, this is the starting place of talking to God. The name Messiah, the name of the Messiah, one of them, everlasting father. Like a good parent, except better than we can even ask or imagine. I love that Ephesians passage. Remember when we were first starting the church, this passage became so real that we have a God who not only is able, but who loves to do above and beyond what we can even ask or imagine. I mean, that's something to encounter, man. That is something, that's another revolution. (laughs) That's another revelation that will bring that revolution of your life. When you know God as a heavenly father who is above and beyond what you can ask or imagine in the depth of his goodness and his kindness and his mercy and how he wants to prosper you and not to harm you and how Luke 12, 32 is so true where you can fear not, little flock, it's my father's good pleasure to give you his whole kingdom, meaning it makes God happy. Makes God your father happy to share his whole kingdom. When that becomes revelation, you're on a personal revolution. But I want to focus on this morning is, but let's not stop. Because he is better than we currently know. No matter how much of the goodness of God and how we can, in a healthy way, relate with God as our good heavenly Father, there is an aspect that we have not yet experienced because it's going to take an entire eternity to experience it. So right now, we can be excited and confident that what's coming is more goodness. As the psalmist says, Psalm 23, 6, surely your goodness and mercy are following me every day because I have a good heavenly Father who's above and beyond what I can even ask or imagine in his goodness So he's already revolutionized my life. But man, more is coming. So pay attention, he says. All right? He's not done. Put your phones in airplane. It's the only place you need to be. So here's an example of what that goodness looks like. Matthew 7 7 to 11. Now, I've talked on this verse a hundred times, but there's always fresh revelation. And, I, and, and part of it's like, oh, because like what Jesus is getting at is so fundamental, so, so personal, so intimate, so vulnerable. In some ways, I'm like, man, it's like I have a hard time. It's like I can feel it. I can, this verse is so beautiful, but it's like, it's almost like there's, I have a hard time expressing the depths of the glory of what Jesus is revealing here. So it's like each time I come to it, it's like, Lord, give me another little nuance to help me have that revelation that is above and beyond what I can even ask or imagine. You are so good, and I need to know that more. I need to be reminded of that. For some of you, maybe it's I need to be, I need to encounter that for the very first time in my life because I've never even tasted what you're talking about. And I believe if you're here and you're listening, God wants to do that for you today. Today is the day of salvation, God says. Not tomorrow. You're feeling it. You're stirred up. Well, then today's your day. God wants to do it. So just keep opening your heart. And by the time we're done, hey, 
revelation, I believe, God is going to bring to your life. Not just this an idea, but he wants you to encounter that this is real. This is the realest thing. <laughs> More than anything that you can touch right in front of you. So let's read it. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock, it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And the one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which one of you, if your son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? It's rhetorical. The answer should be, well, I will because my son's a punk. No, it's none of you would do that. Even on a bad day. Unless you're really messed up. That's the rhetorical uh, device that Jesus is implementing here. So he says then, if you who, you're evil. You know how to good gifts, give good gifts to your children. How much more? That's the key. How much more? How much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? There's something so simple and so profound about this. Like I said, it's like a thousand different nuances and angles. And so what I just simply want to focus on today that goes along with that sense that there's always more. More than you could even ask or imagine. And that's not meant to deter you. That's meant to make you hungry. It's more than I even ask or imagine. Well, I'll just stop then because that's intimidating. No, that's meant to say, come on, ask, seek, knock, because there is so much more. Jesus says, how much more is there of the goodness of God as our Heavenly Father that he wants to reveal to you? And the, the phrase that, came as I was praying and, and saying, Lord, let's have some fresh nuance. It was divine impulses. That's part of what Jesus is going after here, is that he's, he's working with parental impulses, right? That parental impulse of if you have a child that's in need of food, you have a divine parental impulse that says, I'm going to feed you. That's just a divine impulse. It's a parental impulse that comes from God. It's one of the most natural things on the planet, like genuinely. Not, not being funny at all, like unless you are really, really messed up and hurting and wounded and broken. If that's, it, unless that's the case, then every parent on the planet has a divine impulse that says, when my child is hungry, I'm going to feed him. I'm going to do what it takes to provide, to protect, to care for them. It's absolutely natural. And Jesus is talking about that. And he uses that to paint a picture to say, that divine impulse, that parental impulse, is like God. Except that God's impulse is so good and so holy and so abundant and so merciful and so constant it makes yours look evil in comparison. And so you can take that natural impulse and you can think of it as a tiny sliver of the divine impulse that God has towards you. And so he wants us to kind of engineer it backwards a little bit. He wants to take a, an earthly analogy that we all can relate to. Well, he's talking to a group of parents. And he's talking about children. 
So he's taking a very relatable human analogy, and he's saying, look, just take those natural, God-given parental impulses for good for your children and work backwards with it. Look, look at the way that you take care of your kids and know that that is a tiny sliver of revelation about the nature of God, except how much more build on that and then just go wild with your imagination beyond what you can even ask or imagine. That's now you're starting to approach the goodness of your heavenly father. So take everything good in your life and just multiply it by your wild, holy imagination. And now you're starting to approach the goodness that God as Heavenly Father feels towards you. And so I'm starting to think, all right, what, what does that look like? And so, so I want to just, I literally, this was, <laughs> I felt like I needed to come back to this message this morning early, very early, and just say, all right, if this is real, let's test it out. And I said, all right, God, show me some divine impulses in me just from yesterday. I'll kind of test you on this. As a parent, where do I see those? Just, they're just coming. I'm not trying. I'm not I'll get all holy about it. There's just impulses. Do they reflect you? Let me test it out. And not so I can pat myself on the back, but so I can do what you said, Jesus, which was if there's any of those little flickers and impulses in me, what that says is those are just tiny slivers of revelation of how awesome God is. Because in comparison, even the best I can muster for my kids, it's even evil in comparison to the glory of our Heavenly Father, the goodness of our perfect Heavenly Father that's coming our way every single day. And so I'm like, all right, show me, Lord. And it was like, here we go, done. Oh, okay. So I'll just share a few. And you guys can do this in your own life. Kids, grandkids, just test those impulses. And the point is then now, let that be used as a tool in the hands of the Holy Spirit to massage your heart and give you revelation of the goodness of God. Because most of us don't feel like God is as good towards us as we are towards our kids. We don't, and I'll show you in a moment. But Jesus is trying to say, no, please, take what you've got towards your kids, and it's, it's evil in comparison to how I feel about you. you got to know it. So I'll just give a couple. So let's uh, put up this first picture here of yesterday. This is just yesterday. This is about 10 a.m., this is me with my oldest son, KJ, and my dad, and this is a Saturday morning. We're working. This is our uh, family side hustle, um, and we have a, uh, a business together, a barbecue sauce business from, it's from, from my dad. And so my son is home for one of the just first couple times since July. He has, uh, he's on a wild adventure with the Lord, and he's been living in Catalina for the last six months. We went over there to celebrate my dad's 70th birthday. He had just graduated high school, and he never came home. It's a true story. A wild, awesome adventure with God. What's the divine impulse in me right now that God showed me? I just want to be with him. So we're at a family Christmas party last night with my dad's side of the family. There's 50 people there, and I'm like the happiest guy in the room. Why? Because I'm sitting on the couch next to my son. And that's it. Do you believe God feels that way about you? just to be with you. 
am I a better parent than God? Because my heart had a wild, easy, passionate impulse. When I see my son, I just want to be with him. Am I holier than God in my desires? Or is that just a tiny sliver of my heavenly father who feels like that, but eternally more? Perfectly, in perfect holiness, more. Or how about that it was an absolute joy to co-labor with my son and my dad, but with my son. We're on a mission together. We're barbecuing chicken and pouring out barbecue sauce and handing out samples and waking up early and loading barbecues and cleaning up together. And it is just a simple, great joy to co-labor with my son, to do work together on an important task. And God says we have the privilege to be invited with him onto the same mission to the point where Paul says we are co-laborers with God. So that joy that I experience in just doing a good work with my son, do I have a more pure heart than God? Or is that just a tiny sliver of how God feels about me and every one of you? Just to be with you and to do some good work together brings great joy to our Heavenly Father. Or how about moving on to another picture? For my younger son, two things here. So we're sitting at the Christmas party, and I hear my youngest, or he's my middle son, talking. He had a basketball game yesterday, so it was a busy day. We got bingos in the morning, basketball in the middle, Christmas party at night. And so in the middle of it, I drop him off at his game, go back, finish the work with my dad and my oldest son, and then go back to the game. But I'm, I'm, I'm like, you know, 20 minutes later than I want to be, and I miss the first quarter and a half. And that's just something, like, in our family, like, this is sacred. Like, I just, unless, you know, come hell or high water, like, we just don't miss, you know, our kids' stuff. And so we're, we're talking about it at the, at the, uh, at the game. Not, not that I missed it, but, like, he had a fabulous game, one of the best game of his young, you know, high school career so far. And, but offhand, he said something. So he hit, hit more three-pointers than he ever has in a game in, in high school so far. And I walked in on number six, and so he's a quarter and a half in, and he's hit five. And he just is, we're talking about the family, and he's just offhand. He's not trying to be rude, but he's like, yeah, Dad, you know, it's like, it's so awesome when he got there because, like, you know, every single time after I hit one, two, three, four, five, I turned and I looked in the stands, and you weren't there yet. I was like, oh, no. There's a divine impulse when he said that. It says, I, I never want that feeling to stick in your heart. I want you to feel like every time you look in your life for dad, I'm there. And this, in the grand scheme of things, no, this is not a big deal, right? We, we're at every game. But 
the, the impulse, I'm talking now, the divine fatherly impulse is, says the last thing I want in your life is to feel like I abandon you. Like you're not there, like I'm not there when you need me. I, 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 in that moment, I, I, I was like, oh, I hate, I hate hearing that. I hated hearing that. Because there's a divine impulse in me that says for each and every single one of my sons, I want them every single time they turn in life and say, where's dad? They look and I'm there. So they have the support that they long for. And they long for it. Even when they tell you otherwise. Is that impulse better than your heavenly father's impulse for you? Is it better than for me? No way. In fact, my impulse of like, I'm almost getting teary-eyed when he's like, oh, dad, I looked each time I didn't see you there. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, man. I saw six, seven, and eight. I'm so sorry. I'll never miss again. But there's an impulse. And no, that's a tiny sliver of what Jesus talks about when he says, I will not leave you. I will not forsake you. I have not left you as orphans. Do you know that? goodness of your heavenly father do you feel that to where in your life when you look and you're scared and you're stressed or you're proud and you look oh my heavenly father is here he's never abandoned me he's never left me i've turned and i've seen the warm countenance of his face every time i look he's always there that's how god wants you to know him Or one other one. We want to see our kids thriving. So this little picture here was a very fun culmination of four to five to six years of family work to where he set a personal best record and a JV team best record and almost set the school best record for most three-pointers in a game. And I take great joy as a father in seeing him thrive in the gifts and passions that he has. When he comes fully alive in the gifts and passions that God's given him as a parent, I am absolutely delighted. And it's not about how many three-pointers did he make or how many points did he make. It's about what are the gifts and passions that God's given him and is he stewarding those well, because that God calls us to steward our gifts and passions. We can leave a lot of stuff dormant, and God, that, I believe God makes, makes God sad, where he's like, man, I've given you so much. Do something with it. That's the whole parable of the talents. In fact, Jesus called those people wicked. God gave them so much, and at the end of their life, he's like, what did you do with it? Nothing. Not a good answer. God wants to see you thriving with the gifts and passions he's given you. He wants to see you invest those well. So when I, as a dad, see my son working his butt off, for five years straight, for moments like this. It's not about the record and it's not about comparison. It's about him doing his best, stewarding his life with the gifts and passions God given him so that he can be thriving for him and how God made him. And each one of my sons is different. It's not about, hey, everyone, basketball, this record. No, that's not it at all. My son, Oh, the oldest son quit sports his senior year because he had no passion for it. And our job was to bless the passions and the gifts he has and say, I totally bless you not playing sports because your gifts and passion is this direction. So it might be music. It might be science. It might be the art room. It might be the boardroom. 
It might be the, the math room. It might be the sports. It might be the guitar. Whatever it is, like our Heavenly Father, who has put gifts and passions in each one of us, I want to see my son thrive. So let me ask again. Am I a better father than our Heavenly Father? Because I take great joy in spending my time, effort, and energy to see my sons thrive. No way. That's a ludicrous question. It's an absurd question. What I feel as a divine impulse or parental impulse is a tiny sliver of revelation of the goodness of our Heavenly Father. Or last one I'll point out. I'm sitting on the couch with my dad and my mom and my oldest son and at the Christmas party and my youngest son comes up to me and he's got a big red eye. Yeah. Daniel just threw a ball right in my face when I was coming down the slide and it really hurts. And then he told me to just, you know, suck it up and stop whining. <laughs> so I was feeling a different divine impulse towards my middle son. And I'll keep that one private. <laughs> Towards my younger son, with literally his little pulsating red eye. All right, come here, buddy. Let me just hug you for a minute. You're not a wimp. Don't, don't worry about your brother's head. That's a lie from Satan. You have a pulsating red eye. It's okay to shed a tear. And it's not cool, especially because he dismissed how you felt about it. So, yeah, come here. Let me comfort you and say that's not true. Let me give you a hug. Love you. All right, get back out there. So when you're hurting and life's giving you the, you know, the red eye and people say, shut up and deal with it or you deserve it or you're a wimp, is my impulse better than our Heavenly Father's? Or is it a tiny revelation of our Heavenly Father who has so much more? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we humble ourselves before you and ask that your Holy Spirit would be bringing revelation of the so much more that Jesus spoke about, of our Heavenly Father, who has a goodness that we can relate to in our good impulses, but it's so much more, not less, more. So we ask, Holy Spirit, you would be revealing to us in this moment just take a quiet moment. I'm just feeling led real quick just to do what I did this morning. Sit before the Lord. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would bring to mind for people in this room, parents, grandparents, even ways that we interact with kids, they might not even be our own. Would you bring to mind some divine good parental impulses that we feel towards our kids? Maybe yesterday, today, a week ago, just bring some of those things to mind, Lord.
Holy Spirit, I pray that those things that you bring to mind, those good impulses that we feel, you would make real that those are revelations of our Heavenly Father's goodness. And that there's so much more where that comes from than we can even ask or imagine. And we pray that this would bring a revolution in our soul that keeps us moving forward with hope, with excitement, with that childlike faith that says no matter the circumstances I'm facing, I have an Abba Father who is so wildly good beyond what I can even ask or imagine and he's bringing it my way. Help us see it. Help us feel it. Help us know it. Help us believe it, God. And revolutionize our souls. Help us see you clearly, God, so our souls can come alive and we can give you the glory and honor that you deserve, that Jesus was fighting for while on earth, revealing our everlasting Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Dance a new dance like day.